Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of the Trapping Today podcast. I'm your host, Jeremiah Wood, with TrappingToday.com, a website dedicated to providing information and entertainment to the modern trapper. I hope I'm doing that, uh, posting things up uh, as regularly as I'm able. And I appreciate feedback from you guys. Um, hear from one or two people, it seems, uh, almost every day. Um, and, and it's great to hear. So anyway, I actually um, just got an email from a trapper in Alaska. And I am incredibly jealous. Actually, two tr- Alaska trappers in the last week. And uh, boy, am I jealous. <laughs> because tonight's episode, I'm going to talk about Martin trapping and... Man, it is uh, it is like night and day trapping Martin in Maine compared to Alaska. But the beauty is we still can do it here. And uh, I I joke a little bit, and I I don't think I've said it before in this podcast. Maybe I have, but when I was younger and and um, I left here and I wanted to move out west, and and I had some uh, criteria on which place states I was willing to live in. And one of the criteria was uh, you had to be able to trap Martin. So um, the the states that I uh, chose were Alaska, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, and Utah. And I ended up living in Idaho, uh, Utah, and Montana. So <laughs> I got I got three out of them anyway. And I I did trap Martin a little bit in Utah and Montana. Um, didn't stay long enough to to do it fully do it justice and and never did get up to Alaska um may never go I don't know I hope I hope I can but uh, that was a dream for for a very long time in fact uh, when I was going to University of Maine there was a a guy from uh, Fairbanks from North Pole that came over to do a semester at UMaine and then he was a, a wildlife student like me and uh boy when I'm after I met him it was pretty amazing we all we did was talk about Alaska um it it was uh we we got the I get the Alaska Gazetteer out and and we'd spend hours and hours looking at that map and talking about places and where you could put a cabin and who's trapping where and where you might be able to set a trap line out and um it was boy it's something to dream about but anyway you guys that are out there doing that um that's just it's awesome I I'm I'm really uh I'm really glad that you're doing it, and I I love seeing uh, some of that stuff, the the not fake stuff that's on on TV, uh, the Last Alaskans, Hymo Korth, and uh, Tyler and Ashley, you guys that are up there um, doing that, you know, um, Charlie Jagow, uh, that's just incredible. It's amazing to watch, and and uh, I'm I'm really really happy for you guys, and and love to see it. Love that that other people are are able to share in that and and at least experience it from from the couch for um if if nothing else um in in canadian guys too i mentioned the other day uh, a life on the line that was a a documentary on on the trap line in manitoba that's pretty cool and there's a number of others so you guys are are getting the job done up there too um andrew stanley the wild north um, check out that YouTube channel uh, for Harvesters NWT. They did a, a season there, and uh, if if you can handle the language, if you're not too uh, 
uh, squirrely on that, uh, check out Andrew's channel. You get a lot of a lot of pretty neat trapping stuff there. So anyway, uh, that leads us to our topic tonight. We're going to talk about martin trapping. Um, I didn't know when I was going to get around to this, but I, but I finally am. And I think I'm not going to do the the whole martin trapping martin fisher trapping in maine all the way from the beginning i am going to do that eventually uh, i just don't think now is the time to do it uh, i actually one of the things i have a hard time with is is really understanding where people are coming from that don't have any exposure to certain things that that i have experience with so for instance i i I could do sort of an overview on on Martin and Fisher trapping in Maine, but I would miss a lot of points. And the the way I kind of discovered this was um, listening to Clint Locklear on his trapping radio podcast. He's done that for oh for it's got to be six years now, or maybe even more. And he's interviewed a whole pile of people. And, and one of one two of the episodes he interviewed trappers from Maine, actually three. Um, he interviewed uh, a guy, president of the Maine Trappers Association, one year. He interviewed a legend, Oscar Cronk, and he interviewed another guy about, I believe, about Martin trapping in Maine. And uh, those, the questions that he asked were a lot of those were things that, and it was funny because I heard the guy answer in the interview, and I was just like, "Oh no, you gotta answer it this way or that," you know, because because I know exactly what he what he wants to say, or, or a lot of it having having experienced it. But uh, the questions that Clint was asking were things that I never would have thought to ask because I just assumed people already know that. But there's a lot of guys that are would be listening to this that. Um, I could skip over a lot of things that you have absolutely no idea about, and uh, and so I w- probably wouldn't do it as much justice as I could. Um, maybe at some point I'll actually be able to get someone on to ask me questions, um, and, and from that perspective, and, and do something along those lines. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, but anyway, till then, um, we're gonna cover a more in-depth topic. And that is uh, the modern day Martin and Fisher trapping in northern Maine using what we call now Lynx exclusion devices. So uh, these are these Lynx exclusion devices are basically a box that is designed to um, and and if I think it's episodes five and six of the Trapping Today podcast. If you go back and listen to those, you'll get a a much better idea of the history on lynx in the Endangered Species Act and how we've dealt with that here in Maine. But uh, basically where we're at now is we have to use these devices. It's been approved under the incidental take permit with the feds that if we want to trap in Maine we get to use these. And what they are is basically big bulky boxes that keep a lynx from being able to get to a conibear body grip trap. Um, and there's one specific design for a 120 size, 120, 155, 5x5 size trap, and there's one design for like a 160 or 220 size. So those, we've been required to use those for, uh, I believe it's either two or three seasons. I think it's, I think we're going on our third season. 
um, being required to use those. And uh, they are, there have been a lot of interesting observations. And uh, just just to start, uh, I want to go over Bob Noonan's article. So Bob Noonan, if you don't know him, he is the founder, creator, slash editor of Trapper's Post magazine. And uh, the last few years, Trapper's Post has emerged as basically the leader in, in the trapping magazine world. Um, not to say the other magazines aren't good. There's a lot of good ones out there. Um, we'll, we'll Maybe we'll go over those in, in a future episode. But, you know, you got uh, Trapper and Predator Caller, uh, Trapper's Post now, you got Trapper's World, and uh, Fur Taker Magazine, Fur Fishing Game, obviously the most popular one, uh, American Trapper, I think Trap and Trail is, is defunct now, I'm not sure about that. Um, <clears throat> but there's a number of different um, magazines, but you know, Bob Bob is such a professional, he's done such a good job that he's kind of, they've taken a lot of the market share, Trapper's Post is kind of, kind of um, getting things done here. So Bob Bob has been a Martin Fisher trapper for a long time, and he's experimented with a lot of different things. He's got uh, a couple of DVDs out on on this uh, stuff um, on Martin and Fisher trapping, and uh, he's he's experimented. He's collected data. He's done a lot of stuff. So he wrote an article in the September October 2017 uh, issue of the Trapper's Post magazine on evaluating these Lynx exclusion devices um, on the Martin line. And so him and Mike Wilhite, um, I think that's how you pronounce it, is also an editor there at Trapper's Post. Uh, They ran a line with 48 boxes and uh, they reported their results. And I won't go too much into the details except to tell you that um, they noted very uh, specifically that um, Bob figures he had at least a 40-some percent refusal rate of Martin not, not entering the boxes. This was a year when Martin should have been um, really active and hungry and, and feeding. And he had uh, the fisher were just absolutely avoiding the boxes. They had a really hard time uh, getting the fisher into the boxes at all. So, um, and a lot of trappers up here have started to call these Fisher exclusion devices, uh, kind of as a joke. But um, anyway, he he reported that. I won't I won't go into too much detail through his article. But if you get a copy of Trapper's Post, um, you could check that out and uh, and read the details. Um, but basically, you know, it it made it, it it's made it a lot harder on on uh, trappers to actually get animals to to go into the bait. Um, that being said, um, I'm just I'm happy we can still trap. I know that's kind of a lot of the old timers have have been trapping a certain way for a long time, and and it's frustrating for them. Um, but for me, I'm I'm look, trying to look at it as a glass half full. I mean, if if we can't trap in in Maine anymore, um, probably a good way to get me to leave the state. Uh, I, I, I probably won't be here, but I, I don't think that's going to happen because I, I think, um, you know, we this is uh, this is an f- extremely conservative way of avoiding the take of links as long as there 
uh, on the endangered species list. Um, so anyway, what I wanted to share with you, and uh, I'm going to kind of preface this a little bit, take a quick break, and then and come back and read it to you, is uh, this Bob uh, did this test in 2016, and I, I kind of did a very similar thing uh, in 2017 on my trap line. And Bob only used the devices for 120 or 5x5 size body grips. And, and I actually used uh, both 120 size and 160 size devices and, and compared them uh, and, and compared the catch rates uh, with, with both of those types of devices. And I, I had some pretty interesting observations. And I, th you know, a lot of it just applies specifically to main trappers. Uh, but I think, you know, some of you guys that are trapping Martin elsewhere, and even trapping other critters like coon and 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 for you fisher trappers, it just gives you a little bit to think about when when you start to contemplate how animals work the set and what might cause them to go into a set uh, as opposed to avoiding a set. So uh, hopefully it helps. Anyway. Um, I put this article uh, together, I wrote it up, and I submitted it to uh, one of the trapping magazines, I won't tell you which one, um, and it was it was uh, rejected, um, basically, you know, it was because it was partially because it wasn't uh, applicable to a really wide audience, um, so, you know, Maine is the only state right now that requires these devices, so it, you know, it it kind of directly only applies to main trappers. So the the uh, person, the editor, thought that, you know, it wasn't really worthy of publication at the time, um, which was fine. So f for me, I thought, well, what the heck? I already wrote the article. I've got my own website. I'll just put it up there. So I did post that up on Trapping Today. Uh, w when you listen to this, it, it'll be up there. And uh, the article is called, um, let's see, Links Exclusion Devices on the Main Martin and Fisher Trap Line. Um, I'm going to take a quick break and catch my breath, and I'll be right back and I'll read it to you. All right, I'm going to read you this article. Um, and if you can hear a little bit of crackling in the background, that's the fire, the wood stove here in the fur shed. It is near the end of March, and we're in the single digits. So, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know when spring's going to come here, um, but it can't really come soon enough. I like to, like to see a little bit of this snow melt. But anyway, gets gets a guy still in the trapping mode. I actually, a uh, little side note, I took a little walk on snowshoes today. I get so sick of being cooped up, and, and uh, I went around and, and uh, walked a, oh, a couple miles along old, beaver flowage a side channel to the river near my house and uh, look see if I could find any beaver sign to trap this spring and, and there wasn't much there but um, everything was covered in uh, the ice was covered in three plus feet of snow and uh, you couldn't make anything out even if there were some humps on the ground I had to kick the snow and see if they make sure they weren't beaver houses um, it's pre pretty amazing how much snow we, we still have here. Um, but anyway, I'll read this article, and this is on trappingtoday.com. So if you uh, 
if you want to go and check it out, it's actually, there are a lot of pictures. Um, I have pictures of the boxes, the devices, and uh, pictures of, of uh, putting them out in the woods, and uh, a couple, you know, shots of what things look like on my trap line in northern Maine, and uh, lots of, uh, I have several catch pictures too, so that's kind of cool. Um, with with Martin and the traps, I actually have. You'll you'll hear when I read through this about some of the refusals, and I got pictures with tracks going all around the boxes and stuff. Um, so anyway, the title is "Links Exclusion Devices on the Main Martin and Fisher Trap Line." Sometimes politics get in the way of trapping and wildlife management. It's just a reality that trappers in some states have to deal with. And such was the case with Martin Fisher trapping in northern Maine. After a long battle in the courts over incidental trapping of endangered Canada lynx, Maine trappers were required to use newly approved and specifically designed lynx exclusion devices to use any body gripping traps on land. In simple terms, these devices are boxes made of wood or wire with specific sized openings and setbacks that restrict larger animals from accessing the bait and being caught in the trap. The two approved device designs are distinct from each other. One for 120 sized traps and another for 160 or 220 sized traps. Uh, the smaller 120 sized devices allow the animal a direct line of sight and access from the front of the box to the bait and the trap in the back. They restrict lynx access by requiring the trap to be set at least 18 inches back from a maximum 4 inch by 4 inch diameter hole. The hole can be round, it can be square, either way. The larger devices, 160 and 220 sized, allow a larger opening at the entrance, um, but do not allow a direct line of sight between the front of the box and the, and the trap and the bait. There are two design options for the larger boxes to keep a lynx from reaching the bait despite the larger hole. Uh, number one is the entrance contains a baffle that requires an animal to make two small turns to get through the entrance into the bait. And if you're wondering about that, you'd have to see a picture of it. <clears throat> I actually didn't use that that baffle design because it was uh, very, very difficult to make and uh, kind of a pain in the butt and it's confusing. Um, or number two, which is the ones I made, the entrance requires an immediate 90 degree turn before entering the box and accessing the bait. <clears throat> so they got to turn 90 degrees and then go another 18 inches uh, to, before they get to the trap. If you're confused or overwhelmed by these regulations, you're not alone. Many trappers hung up their traps when these rules were put in place. It was a huge change from what they've been used to their entire trapping careers and a very costly one as well. And there was no guarantee that once they built all these boxes, uh, the rules would remain in place over the long term. And also, in addition to that, there was a little rumor going around that um, the design of those boxes were not that effective at catching um, not only Martin, but especially not effective at catching Fisher. All that being said, I wanted to trap. I'll always want to trap. And instead of sitting on the bench, I was determined to get out Martin trapping despite the new regulations. So in 2016, I put together a few dozen wire cage designs for 120 body grippers and set out a line. So basically I made these boxes designed for 120s out of uh, wire 
cage material. The same year, Bob Noonan tested similar devices made of wood and reported his results in an article in Trapper's Post. <coughs> I had limited success on the line, struggled really, and despite the limited snow to see tracks, I noticed a number of refusals. I caught half a dozen marten and no fisher, but did have one set that was batted around by a large fisher trying to find the entrance to the cage and get at the bait with no luck. That was my season. Lessons learned from 2016 led me to believe that the small cages were ineffective for a few reasons. Uh, the cage design didn't allow animals to distinguish its entrance easily, so you get a cage with all kinds of little holes and they don't know, you know, they're all one inch by one inch holes or one by two, and they don't know which where the four by four inch hole is that they can get to. And some tried to get at the bait at the rear of the cage without going the long way around through the entrance. Also, Martin seemed hesitant to walk on the floor of the cage, likely due to the multitude of gaps to step over and unstable footing. And in this I put in, in uh, parentheses, ever see a cattle guard? So if you out, spend any time out west, you see these cattle guards, um, uh, or some people call them auto gates, they're basically uh, <clears throat> a, a bunch of uh, series of pipes in a line that you can drive over, but there's gaps in there that cows will not step over um, and and that was kind of similar to the way the Martin seemed to be reacting to these uh, cages finally the cages were too light and easily moved around for a fisher to squeeze into them unless they were anchored to uh, something like a leaning pole so uh, that was a rough season now moving on my 2017 Martin season Martin and Fisher season started in the spring with a determination to build a better exclusion device. I milled one inch pine boards. Um, I, I, side note, I have a sawmill here at the farm, a small portable sawmill, and spent weeks building boxes that would meet, that would be heavy duty, meet the specs, and hopefully eliminate my problems, at least some of them. In addition to the 120 size boxes, I built some for 160 and 220 size traps as well, hoping the larger opening would allow for more fisher catches. In the end, I had 60 boxes to set, along with some spares. I decided to set 30 small and 30 large boxes and keep track of the catches in each. It took two trips deep in the woods with a loaded pickup truck bed to get all those boxes out, and I was excited about the season. A little side note, it's a good thing there was a good fishing couple of streams that were really good trout fishing in the area because I combined fishing trips with getting these boxes out. Um, I got a little Ford Ranger and, and uh, both both trips the Ranger was loaded right to the top and the boxes were strapped down. In the past 60 sets would get you a 25 Martin limit pretty easily in northern Maine. We've been limited to 25 Martin per trapper for quite a long time here. Um, again, Alaska guys, Canada, very jealous, very jealous of you. <laughs> but um, trouble was this wasn't most years, and this is another thing we deal with here. Martin catches in Maine fluctuate widely on an every other year basis. This is directly related to food availability. Even years, so years like 2014, 2016, 2018, tend to bring low food availability and hungry animals uh, anywhere from bears to martin and fisher. Odd years, 2013, 2015, 2017, 
our high mast years where beech nuts and other wild foods are very abundant and the critters don't need to work hard to find plenty of food. As old time trappers have told me, the odd years certainly are odd. You'll find Martin up on the hardwood ridges and you'll struggle to bring him to your sets. I'm not sure how 2017 stacks up in the history of mast years or odd years, but it must have been near the top. Food was absolutely everywhere. And many trappers reported the worst year Martin fishing trapper trapping they've ever had. So I had a lot stacked against me. I tended traps for weeks with poor results, but was determined to stick it out. I figured I put in all the effort to get a line set up, I might as well keep it going. I'd catch a martin every tend, maybe a martin and fisher occasionally, with a few weasels mixed in, but never had a big catch. I kept waiting for that big catch, never seemed to happen. The snow cover was light early on, making it impossible to tell what was going on at my sets. But tracks on the road made it evident there were plenty of fisher around and some martin as well. So that's a little thing I didn't explain. Um, a lot of times if we, we'll get a, a snowfall and we'll get like half an inch or an inch and that won't, uh, with the, all the tree cover we have in the woods where our martin boxes are, um, that, that snow usually won't reach the forest floor, uh, that small amount of snow, but it, on the roads it leaves a good coating on the ground. So we could see where the, they were traveling, driving down the road, I could see tracks. Uh, but when I got in the woods, it was harder to, to, to see what was going on. But they were certainly there. Later in the season, despite being things being so slow, I began noticing a trend. I'd caught six martin and three fisher at this point, so that's uh, nine animals, and every single one of them had come from the 120 boxes, those smaller boxes with the four inch by four inch hole. So remember I had 30 160 style with the big hole and the 90 degree turn, and I had 30 120 style with the little four by four inch hole and a straight shot to the bait and the trap. And of nine animals caught, Martin and Fisher, every one of them was caught in small boxes. I had just as many, like I said, 160 boxes on the ground, and they produced nothing but the occasional weasel. And a few of those were 220 boxes as well, but the same concept. It was around that time when a few small storms put good tracking snow on the ground, and things got interesting. As I approached each set, I investigated for tracks, and a pattern started to emerge. Fisher and Martin were visiting the boxes and refusing to go in them. I found numerous cases where they'd walk up to the box, circle around the entrance, and simply leave. There were even tracks on top of some of the boxes. And uh, if you if you check this out on the website, you'll see a couple of pretty fascinating pictures of just totally tracked up areas where a fisher just went around and around um, and, and would not go in um, and, and go get the bait. I thought back to one of the first lessons I learned from an old timer when he taught me how to trap. So, so you know, I'm, sit, I'm on here on the trap line and I'm all of a sudden having flashbacks and frustrated trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm thinking back to this time. This was back... Um, my first my first year and I I didn't know a thing and I was just soaking up all the information I could and this old timer um, taught me taught me how to trap uh, I, I got a lot to say about that uh, I'll 
talk about in future podcasts, but one time he took me to a spot, and we found a Martin location one day and made three Martin sets, all within 10 feet of each other. This was back in the good old days when you could do that legally. And uh, basically he was he was just trying to show me an example of you know how animals work sets and and what will cause them to be more likely to enter a set and get caught so he's just we you know we went to the spot and and uh looked like a good spot looked like there'd be martin there and he said let's try this out let's try a little experiment and we'll we'll learn a little bit so one of these was a leaning pole set typical leaning pole with a you know 120 uh going up the pole the second was a wooden box cubby uh, on a down log and the third was a natural hollow at the base of a cedar tree. Just one of those, you know, in openings there at the, uh, in between a couple roots of the tree down on the ground. With the bait thrown in to that hole and a 120 in front of it. The very next day, we found a marten at the base of the cedar. And it forever ingrained in my mind the importance, comfort, and efficiency play in a marten's feeding habits. The leaning pole required more energy. The cubby was something odd the marten may have been less comfortable with, and the hollow and the base of that cedar tree was natural. Given the choice, the marten chose the most familiar and convenient option. So, you know, a lot of you northern guys, um, you may not have these issues. I, I don't know, but um, for us, our, our marten seemed to have the option of being quite picky at times. <laughs> and uh, things, food is not that scarce in many cases and and they'll just kind of go and do what they please in a year when food was abundant and entering Link's exclusion devices was both unnatural and inconvenient martin and fisher just weren't having it after seeing a few of these refusals i parked at a set location with fisher tracks crossing the road toward my set with some hope i followed them down my trail to the box and i can't tell you how many times i did this you see tracks in the road and all of a sudden they turn off to where your set is and it's so exciting and you go out and oh, i'm gonna follow these tracks right to the box with a martin in it or a fisher with some hope i followed them down the trail in my box it was a 160 style design with the 90 degree entrance but it turned out to be more of the same the fisher had circled the box three times stepped to the very edge of the entrance peeked its head in and hadn't entered. Apparently it was hungry, or at least curious, and I couldn't help but think how I'd have I'd have him and most of the other refusers in past years. I decided to try a quick experiment and went back to the truck to grab a 120 box with the 4x4 inch opening in a direct line of sight to the bait. I set it a few feet away from the 160 box, and five days later, the very next check, it had caught a martin. I pulled my traps just before a big storm. If you want to see more on that, uh, you can go to my YouTube channel, Trapping Today, and I actually have some videos that night. It's quite a story. Um, I started at, I think, uh, I started at like 3 in the afternoon, and I didn't get done pulling traps till 3 a.m. Uh, very, very long story. But anyway, uh, you can check those videos out. And probably about the time trapping would get good because we get more snow on the ground, less a little harder to get to food. The Martin and Fisher would be, you know, hopefully more lo- willing to go into a box. The box wrecking black bears, another story, were in hibernation. I'll talk about that at some time. And the fur bears may have finally started to get hungry. 
It took 15 hours and two vehicles, but I got the 60 traps pulled and picked up another Martin and a Fisher. Just to prove the rule, you know, they say uh, the, the exception uh, that proves the rule, uh, these were the first two I caught in 160 boxes. Um, I also noticed about half a dozen additional refusals at other sets I pulled that night. So, uh, so anyway, lots and lots more refusals. So my 2017 Martin line was physically and emotionally challenging, and it was a huge learning experience. Unfortunately, I'm finding that one season isn't nearly enough to answer all the questions I have, and more questions keep popping up. Two pretty obvious patterns emerge from this season. First, it's clear that the Lynx exclusion devices are not as effective at catching Martin and Fisher as were the previous methods available to main trappers, and their deficiency is probably much more apparent in high mast years when Martin don't need to work hard for their food. Second, there's something about the larger 160-220 devices that's really discouraging Martin and Fisher from entering. You would think, and I thought, the larger entrance would be more inviting, but apparently not. In fact, I caught Fisher weighing up to 11 pounds in the smaller 120 boxes, while numerous Fisher refused the larger ones. It may just be speculation, but I have a couple of thoughts on why Martin and Fisher refuse the larger boxes. First and foremost, I think visual attraction is a critical component of a predator's feeding habits. And with the smaller boxes, they could see the bait. Because they, remember, they had that direct line of sight. Not only could they see it, they could also see the rest of the box's interior and quickly determine that nothing else potentially dangerous was in there. Thus, if they were hungry, it wasn't much of a risk to squeeze through the small hole for those who were small enough to get through it. I'm sure some male fishers could not get through it. And go for the bait. The second possibility concerns the physical aspect of making the 90 degree turn at the box's entrance to get to the bait. It's a bit of a job to get around there, especially if you're not completely sure what lies ahead. Um, again, not sure, it's just a, it's a total mystery to me, but who knows what's going on in a predator's mind um, when they're working these sets. In conclusion, I have a lot to learn in the Martin Fisher trapping game, and fellow Mar main trappers and I will be experimenting with these devices to be more effective trappers as long as they're required. Sometimes it's a pain to deal with all these changes, but I like to think on the bright side. We're gaining experience and learning as we go. It's not the best situation, but it's way better than sitting the season out. So that's my Martin Fisher article. And uh, again, I get those other YouTube videos. There's a bunch of pictures here on, on the website um, if you want to check that out and, and read through it. But anyway, it was, it was an experience for sure um, next year I have higher hopes I intend to put out just as much effort as I did this year perhaps more and uh, this time I'll be making additional boxes but these will be the smaller boxes um, I anticipate that um, based on this past year's results I'll have more um, success using those those smaller design boxes I'll keep the bigger ones too uh, this year is going to be uh, it's going to be an even year, 2018. So uh, I hope that means, as it typically does, we're going to have a uh, a low year for fruit and mast trees, and there won't be a lot of food out there, 
available for for the animals, and they'll be more likely to go to bait. So maybe they'll be more willing to uh, to go into those those bigger style boxes as well. But anyway, uh, thanks for sticking around for this episode. It may not have been completely directly applicable to all trappers in other parts of the country, but uh, I know Maine trappers probably appreciate that information. We we talk about that kind of stuff all the time, those devices, and, and uh, how we can do a better job with them. But anyway, um, think about how it applies to your trap line, and uh, keep on thinking trapping, keep on talking trapping, keep on learning new things, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks. <laughs>